becoming a threat to addiction. And in that eighth chapter, it's entitled Keep Flying the Plane. And we really just kind of break down and strive to simplify the very powerful truth that's found in Romans chapters uh, 7 and 8. And um, so we got about halfway through that this morning. I'm going to do just a, a quick brief review and then um, we'll finish that up tonight. And those messages, of course, that message this morning is available free of charge. All you have to do is ask for it. Um, a couple of things just to remind you of. This is not the most current edition, but the uh, Believer's Voice of Victory magazines are on the back table. They're free um, of charge, uh, you know, no charge, just to help yourself. There's some back issues there. And um, Buell, Teresa, uh, why don't you guys get some for the, for the ministry there? If, uh, if um, Tiffany and Tierra, if y'all want to help yourself to some of those, some of the other ladies there uh, may, uh, may enjoy that. Um, I don't, I don't embarrass our sisters. They're participants and leaders in a, in a ministry that, um, Buell and Teresa have become involved in there in, in Tennessee. And, um, uh, they were sharing with me this afternoon. Uh, they came and participated in first with us this afternoon at the foundry. And they were sharing with me that, um, they're all the ladies in that ministry. They're going through, uh, the book becoming a threat to addiction. It's become part of their curriculum there. And so, uh, made, made my day, sister, you sharing that with me, so I'm so excited about that. Yeah, praise God. Um, amen. I told him I felt kind of a little bit almost silly, you know, they travel from Knoxville, Tennessee, and to hear me read a chapter of a book that they teach from, but anyway, um, I appreciate you guys uh, being here uh, for that. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight as we begin, and, and this is just way of review. Um, the Bible identifies some spiritual laws, and it's very important for us to understand these spiritual laws because few things have more impact and influence on your life um, than the spiritual laws that, that we find and read about in the Scriptures. And um, Father asked Job, uh, after all that he had went through, he asked him a really important question. He said, he said Job, do you understand the ordinances or the laws of the heavens. And Job said no. And he asked him, he said, do you understand how they impact your life on the earth? And, and again, Job answered no to both of those questions. And I guess, you know, if I could ask you and myself the same question tonight, do you understand the laws of heaven, the, the ordinances of the heavens, the spiritual laws and how they affect your life? Because, you know, these things, again, have so much to do with you know, the things that we experience in life. And one of the things that we talked about this morning is that a lot of times we, we're dealing with things that we can't seem to get, get beyond. We, we've got, you know, stubborn issues in our lives that we can't seem to get resolved. And, and what I've experienced more times than not, there's a spiritual law involved that's being violated in some way that's producing this chronic negative result or negative outcome in our lives. So let me give you a quick five Real quick, five truths about spiritual laws. Number one, a law will produce the same result every time. Now, <clears throat> this is important, number one, because like the law of gravity is a law that God established. The law of seed time and harvest is another law that God established, meaning whatever you plant, you're going to reap. God established that law to be a blessing to you. Um, but again, it's produced the same result every time. Ignorance of a law does not protect you. Number two, ignorance of a law, well, praise God, I just gave you four of them there. Ignorance of a law does not protect you from the result it produces. 
So not knowing it doesn't mean it's not affecting you. A law cannot judge intent. So a lot of times we say, well, you know, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean that. The Lord knows my heart. Well, the Lord does know your heart, but if you're still speaking negativity and death out of your mouth, you're planting those seeds and be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever man sows that he's going to reap. Number four, a law will not adjust for you, so you must adjust for it. In other words, we got to understand these things and accommodate them in our lives and allow for them in our lives because they're not going to, again, accommodate you. And the last one is really the, the key one I was wanting to get to tonight. And um, number five says that, uh, amen, I don't know why we're having issues with this, so let's just see here. Praise God. You know what? I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, I'm not, it. Number five, I can read it to you, says the results of a law can only be overcome by another law. The results of a law can only be overcome by another law. All right, now, let me jump in here. Um, the commandments which came through Moses are important but are powerless to save you. The truth is the rules were never meant to save you but were given by God to help you understand how desperately you need a Savior. The Bible is very clear. Obeying the commandments cannot make a person right before God and cannot earn the good things God desires to give us. Only faith in Jesus and God's grace, unearned and undeserved favor, can make us right before God and enable us to receive abundantly from Him. I recently had a problem with a lingering sharp pain in my right eye and decided to go see a doctor. I had an undeniable problem and did not understand the cause. An undeniable problem and did not understand the cause. I'm asking you tonight, you don't have to raise your hand, but can you relate to that? An undeniable problem. I don't know what in the world, why do I keep doing this? You know, why, why do I keep going back down this road? Why do I keep repeating these same mistakes? So again, an undeniable problem and did not understand the cause. Remember, Paul said he also had a problem he did not understand. The problem was undeniable, but the cause of the problem was hidden. The initial examination of my eye revealed no cause for the pain. The doctor then put a special yellow dye in my eye designed to reveal hidden problems and it immediately revealed an ulcer on my cornea. Ouch, indeed. Once the hidden cause for the obvious problem was revealed, the doctor prescribed the necessary medicine to treat the problem. The dye did nothing to repair the ulcer. It only made it stand out and actually hurt more. So what was the benefit of the special yellow dye? It gave me and the doctor something we did not have before in all caps, the word understanding. The law of Moses is like that special yellow dye. It reveals a problem it is unable to correct. The law highlighted my sinfulness and made it more painful, but did nothing to save me from it. How silly would it have been for me to refuse the medicine I needed, choosing instead to put one drop of yellow dye in my eye every four hours for the next seven days. It is even more silly to think a steady dose of the law that identifies your sin can somehow make your sin go away, or empower you to overcome it. Thankfully, there is a third law revealed in Romans chapters 7 and 8 called the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This third law is the answer to the problem made obvious by the special yellow dye. A poem attributed to John Bunyan captures this truth beautifully. All right? And it says, Work and run the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. Now, in Romans chapter 7 and 8, let me just talk to you real quick. I don't want to bore you tonight, please. This is, as far as 
you living your best life is concerned, this is some of the most important things you could ever understand, all right? So in Romans 7 and 8, I've been over this once before, at least once before. Um, amen. We see that there's the law of Moses, the law of sin and death, and then the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Three of those laws. Now, the law of Moses um, is... Amen. I just lost connection, so I'm going to give it up, Christy. Amen. <laughs> Unless you can do it from back there. The law of Moses uh, is the yellow dye. Okay? I'm trying to help you see this. The law of sin and death, in the analogy, would be the ulcer on my cornea. Again, an obvious problem I did not understand. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the answer needed. Okay? So... I know, again, this may be so simple and basic, but we have put so much confidence in our ability to obey the laws of Moses for our salvation. And, and again, the rules cannot save you. The rules cannot save you. Father gave those commands, which again are written in stone, so that the real problem we needed help with could be made obvious. And that is the law of sin and death. And, that, and the Bible says this is a law written in our members. It's written in our flesh. And then the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the answer that we need. All right, let's, let's move forward. The subtitle of this is A New Sheriff in Town. Let's go back to our gravity comparison. Remember, the results of a law can only be overcome by another law. This is why willpower alone is no match for the law of sin and death, and wanting to fly is not enough to overcome gravity. Even if you want it so badly, you'll jump off a building holding feathered covered wings. It takes a law to beat a law. Anything less will not do the job. Of the three laws identified in Romans chapters 7 and 8, one reveals the problem but can't fix it. One is the problem, but we can't see it. And the third is the answer, and we all need it. The answer we all need is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And this law is not written in stone or in your flesh, but upon your born-again spirit. So the law of Moses was written where? Somebody help me. Where was it written? It was written in stone. Now, we are most familiar with the law of Moses, but the law of sin and death is another law. It's hidden. It's written where? Not in stone. It's written, Paul said, in our members, in our physical body, in our flesh. There's a law written there, okay? And then this third law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it's not written in stone or in our flesh. It's written in your born-again spirit. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is to the law of sin and death what Newton's third law of motion is to the law of gravity. The law is not, this law is not written in stone or flesh, but upon the spirit of every born again believer. Now, I want to put Hebrews 8.10 up on the screen tonight. This is a really important verse, okay? Really important verse. And this is God speaking about the covenant that would one day come from the Old Testament, but it's now the covenant 
that we have with God, the operating agreement that we have with God. And I want you to notice very carefully what he said here. He said, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Okay? Again, he says, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, I want to spend a moment here. I'm not reading from the text. I just want to talk to you for a moment about this. Because when you were born again, you were born again because of this new covenant. Amen. In other words, salvation has come to you and to me because of the new operating agreement that Jesus came and made for us as one of us with God. He's our covenant representative. He is our mediator. Amen. The Son of God became a son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. It's the great exchange. So he made this covenant as one of us, for us, with God. Amen. Now last week we talked about, in comparing those two covenants, we said that when the original covenant was made with Moses, that he dipped a hyssop branch um, in a laver of ox blood and he sprinkled it on the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant. And, and, and obviously that would have marked them, and not just outwardly, it would, have, it would have marked their minds, their thinking. Amen. But we see when Jesus with his disciples held up a cup of unfermented uh, wine, grape juice, and he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. He didn't say, dip your fingers in it and splash it on everybody. But he said, drink it, take it into you. Again, this is so significant because the old covenant was an outside-in approach. The new covenant, the covenant that we have with God, is an inside-out approach. Not outside-in, but inside-out. It's, it's Jesus himself by the Holy Spirit coming on the inside of us and recreating us, making us a new creation in Christ Jesus, and, and, and we've been learning how to live from that inward reality of this new birth. Your born-again spirit has become one spirit with God's spirit. You and God have become one once again. And now we see that the life of God flows from God through that spiritual union that you share with God. This is why you have eternal life right now. Amen. Now, notice that God says he's going to also do something under this new and with this new covenant. It's going to allow him to write something on your heart. Amen that he was unable to write on your heart before. Now, there's a lot of folks who look at this and they think that he's talking about writing the Ten Commandments on their heart. My friend, that is not what he's talking about here. What he, the law he is now writing on your heart, and, and I, I, I'm going to make a case for four, okay? The first two were love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number one. Number two, love uh, uh, your, praise God, love your heart, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself is number two. Then number three, Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. Those first two, Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament. The Old Testament people were commanded to love God and love others. Amen. 
But this new commandment Jesus gives us, John 13, 34, he says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Now this isn't just love your neighbor as you would love yourself. This is love your neighbor as Jesus has loved your neighbor. Well, the only way we can love our neighbor as Jesus has loved our neighbor is if somehow the Holy Spirit happens to be inside of us pouring out the love of God in our hearts, giving us the ability and wherewithal to love others as Jesus has loved us. And guess what? That's exactly what Romans 5 says he's doing. So when it says he's written this law, what you've got to understand is that anytime God speaks to you, he just empowered you to do whatever he said. Amen. See, under this, new, under this new covenant, when God tells you to do something, there's power in the commandment for you to carry it out. If you couldn't do it before, guess what? Now that he's told you to do it, you can do it now. So when Jesus says, love others as I have loved you, he has not just written that on our heart, but he now lives and dwells inside of us by the Holy Spirit, and the love of God is being poured out inside of us, giving us the ability to do that. Do you realize that you can love somebody so beautifully, so thoroughly, so perfectly, that it would have been no different if Jesus himself had expressed love to that person, uh, in those, he's expressing that same love through you. Amen. Now I said four. I believe the fourth one, the law that he has written in your heart is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Let me, if I could, praise God. I, amen. I'm, 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 I'm trying to balance between getting where I want to be and staying where we need to be, all right? Let, let's turn with me real quick to Romans chapter 2, if you would, please. I have referenced this verse more than once. Christy, I don't have a slide for it, so we'll just turn there. Romans chapter 2. In verse number 12. Romans 2 and 12. It says, For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, Gentile would be any non-Jewish person, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, I'm not going off subject tonight, I'm right on subject because I'm trying to show you something here. If you believe the laws that God is now writing on our hearts in the New Covenant are the Old Testament laws, not only are you wrong, I'm wanting you to see why you're wrong. Because here God says that non-Jewish people who don't know anything about the Ten Commandments written in stone 
have already had those commandments written in their hearts and upon their conscience by God. How is that possible? Well, I'll tell you how it's possible. Every human being, Jew or non-Jew, has been created in the image and likeness of God, has been created by God. And written within each one of us is God's moral code. In other words, there's, there is no culture on planet Earth that says it's okay to just walk up and murder a man with no cause, take a man's wife with no cause, steal a man's car. Are you understand what I'm saying? In other words, those laws are already written on a man's heart. Right? In other words, let me, let me show you one other thing. Verse 15, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. Now here's where we've really gotten confused. And between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. What is he saying? In other words, anybody who thinks it's okay to do these things, they've, they've surrounded uh, themselves with a group of people who says, look, man, they got plenty. Go take some for yourself. In other words, their thoughts... They've, they've, they've gotten in a, within a group of people and now they've overridden this idea that it's wrong to do it, right? You know, oh, it's okay to, it's okay to sleep with his wife. I mean, they've, they've been separated for three months anyway. See, in other words, th these, th these ideas now, praise the name of the living God. So, and between themselves... Well, we left God out of this discussion. We just amongst ourselves decided that it's okay this once to tell the lie. It's okay this once to, to do these things. But the bottom line of it is those laws are already written in a man's heart. The problem is we got, we got the law without the wherewithal to live up to it, to, to, to obey it, to do what God instructed us to do. In other words, it was wrong to murder a man before God ever wrote it in stone, thou shalt not kill. And not only was it, last, last word here, before it was ever written in stone, it was written on all of mankind's hearts. So he's talking about different laws here that have been put in, written in their mind and on their hearts. And God says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. All right, let me get back to this. A common Western movie theme involves a new sheriff coming to town bringing law and order bringing law, order, and justice where there previously was none. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus can become the new sheriff in your life and finally enable you to put the law of sin and death in its place, effectively ending its reign of terror over you. Although both are laws, there is a very important difference between the law of gravity and the third law of motion. For those of you who are not here this morning, the third law of motion, Newton's laws of motion, the third law of motion says for every action there's an opposite and equal reaction. And it is, it is an understanding of and an operating in that law of motion that enables human beings to overcome the law of gravity and actually take flight. And so if you've ever held your arm outside the window of a moving car, you can feel your arm cutting through the air. If you turn your hand upward, now all of a sudden the air rushing past your arm begins to press against the bottom of your hand and the opposite reaction is that now your hand is being driven upward. That is, that is Newton's um, third law of motion. 
So both are laws. There's a very important difference between the law of gravity and the third law of motion. That difference is action. Gravity is the result produced by a law acting upon you. Flying is the result produced by you acting upon the third law of motion. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Gravity is, 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 uh, is a constant. In other words, it's acting upon us right now. If it weren't for gravity, we, not only would we float away, you couldn't breathe. The pressure of gravity helps force air into your lungs. It's not just the muscles at the, at the bottom of, of uh, your diaphragm, at the bottom of your lungs, that's drawing air into you. There's outside air pressure. That's why when you get into higher elevations, it's not just that the oxygen is thinner, and, and so there's less of it in that concentration of air that you're breathing, but the pressure is, is less, right? Think, you ever been to the bottom of a swimming pool and felt the pressure of the water? The deeper you go into it, the more pressure is upon you, right? So in the same way, when, when you go to shallower air, there's less oxygen in it to breathe, but also there's less pressure, there's less gravity pushing that air into you. You have to labor to breathe. Amen or oh me? You still with me? All right. So the difference is action. Gravity is the result produced by a law acting upon you. Flying is the result produced by you acting upon the third law of motion. We could say it this way. Even though a law is at work where both are concerned, gravity is automatic, but flying is intentional. Anyone who ever thought they accidentally took flight quickly and painfully realized they were wrong. I got some stories to tell there, but I'll keep going. The same is true with the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of sin and death is a law acting upon you, producing the dilemma of doing things you hate and not doing things you know you should. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is like the third law of motion. It is a law you must act upon to produce the result of rising above the downward gravitational pull from the law of sin and death. Now, how do you act upon the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? I'm purposely repeating and reviewing the key points we are covering in this chapter so you can see the entire picture. It takes a law to beat a law. The law of sin and death is a huge problem for all of us, and the only way to overcome the effect it has on us is with another law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the law that will set us free from and enable us to overcome the law of sin and death. The results produced by the law of sin and death are automatic. The results produced, and read that again, the results produced by the law of sin and death are automatic, but the results produced by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus are intentional. This means it doesn't act upon you, but you must act upon it. Now, this brings us to a very important question. How do you act upon the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus? You act upon the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus by by intentionally setting your mind upon the things of the Spirit. If I know anything about the devil, he's trying hard right now to keep you, to get you to stop reading. He's telling you things like this doesn't make any sense, or there's no way it's that easy. Please do not listen to him. I recommend you read this entire chapter multiple times. The truths being revealed here are among the most important you will ever learn towards living your best life. Here are the instructions straight from the Bible. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 5. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. This verse is the key that unlocks the practical application of all that is covered in Romans chapters 7 and 8. Without this verse, we have a lot of interesting and relatable information, but no real way to intentionally act upon what we are hearing. The instructions in verse 5 tell us how to engage the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus so it can produce results in our lives. So listen, oh, sweet Jesus, you've got to get this now, please. If you do nothing, the law of sin and death will continue to act upon you. Just like if you do nothing, the law of gravity will continue to act upon you. So although there are laws involved in both cases, the law of gravity is a law acting upon you. Newton's third law of motion, also known as the law of lift or the laws of flight, those laws will enable you to overcome gravity, but you must act upon them. There's a difference here. So the law of sin and death is the same way. If you do nothing, the law of sin and death will continue to act upon you. But thank God we have a new law. Thank God there's a new sheriff in town. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit wrote this law into the DNA of your born-again spirit. It's written in you. It's written upon your born-again spirit. It's there and available for you to act upon so that you can, through the result of that law, overcome the downward gravitational pull of the law of sin and death. Amen. Amen. But it must be acted upon. I want to say that 15 more times. It must be acted upon. Before we dig into this, I want you to see the solid and identifiable cause and effect in Romans 8 and 5. Cause and effect means one thing makes another thing happen. You cannot change an effect unless you identify and change the cause producing it. Addiction is an effect that has a cause. Do not make the mistake of trying to change the effect without ever understanding or addressing the underlying cause. Look closely at the verse again. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Do you see the part that is cause and the part that is effect? The effect is actually stated first and the cause is stated second. Living according to the flesh is the effect and setting the mind on the things of the flesh is the cause. Living according to the Spirit is also an effect caused by setting the mind on the things of the Spirit. Now let me stop right here. We addressed this earlier, but this is referring to born-again believers. If you're not born again, you've got to get born again, and you've got to get the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus written upon your born-again spirit. So again, this was written to men and women who have already been born again, and this is who this applies to. We could say this another way. As long as you set your mind upon and pursue the things of the flesh, you will live according to the flesh. Thankfully, the opposite is also true. As long as you set your mind upon the things of the Spirit, you will live according to the Spirit. And if you live according to the Spirit, you will rise above and overcome the flesh. There are still some important pieces here for you to connect together and understand. So let's continue to unpack the meaning of this passage. I'm tempted to rush through the effect so we can get to and better understand the cause, but that would be a mistake. According to the flesh. i got about five more minutes. Are you good? Living according to the flesh is a life dominated and controlled by the desires of the flesh. Think about it. 
is living according to the flesh, not the very essence of addiction and exactly what we're trying to change. According to means based upon, in agreement with, and directed by what is stated in. You bake a cake according to, based upon, in agreement with, and directed by a recipe. You assemble a bicycle according to, based upon, in agreement with, and directed by the instructions. You arrive at your destination according to, based upon, in agreement with, and directed by a map or GPS. Living according to the flesh means living based upon, in agreement with, and directed by what is stated in the flesh. Does anyone remember what is written, stated in our flesh? Here's a hint. It is something far more powerful than a recipe, an instruction booklet, or a map. The law of sin and death is written in our flesh. When we set our minds upon the things of the flesh, we live based upon, in agreement with, and directed by that law. As long as we set our minds on the things of the flesh, we will remain dominated and controlled by the law of sin and death written there. This means we will continue to do things we no longer want to do and even despise while struggling to follow through on the good things we know we should do. According to the Spirit, a life based upon agreeing with and directed by what is stated in the flesh is the life we need to change. And thanks to all Jesus has done to save us, we now have another option, living according to the Spirit. Living according to the Spirit means living based upon, in agreement with, and directed by what has been written in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. All that has been written there by Him is another one of those subjects vast enough for its own book. Paul said he continued to labor among those he led to Jesus to see the inward reality of their new birth become an outward expression of life. That's Galatians 4.19. This means they were not fully experiencing and enjoying the life Jesus put within reach for them uh, when they were born again, Philippians 3.12. This is important to understand. We become something through the new birth that we were not before. Most people know more about the person they were before being born again than the person they became afterward. Because of this, they tend to live more like the person they were than the new creation they have become. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Galatians 4, 1 and 2. I love to define discipleship as discovering who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ. We were also given many important gifts, benefits, and privileges the day we were born again, but most do not understand what belongs to them as a child of God. Living according to the Spirit is living based upon, agreeing with, and directed by this new inward reality of the Spirit as opposed to the old outward reality of the flesh. I want to stop and write page after page about this new inward reality, but we will instead stay focused on what is before us. Let me encourage you to spend time in the Scriptures, especially the part of the Bible known as the epistles, the letters. This is where you will discover most of the truth about your true identity and what belongs to you because of it. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Oh, sweet Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Listen, Jesus told a parable about a man who was cutting through a piece of property and he tripped over a treasure chest. And he went and he sold everything that he had to buy the piece of property so that he could get the treasure that was buried on that piece of property. Amen. There is treasure in this field right here. There's, there's answers here for us. And 
we talked about it this morning while the focus of this book um, becoming a threat to addiction is about addiction recovery. These brothers from the foundry, they know how I define recovery. It's what you, God, and others do together to get you to and keep you in your best life. Amen. So this isn't just for someone trying to overcome some hiccup, hang-up problem of the flesh in their life. This, these are principles for any born-again believer who's interested in living their best life. Now, we'll have to get there next week, but I just, I've got to say this, so please hear me, okay? Luke 12 says, it's Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the rule of God, the reign of God, the realm of God, the resources of God. Think of think everything that pertains to a government or a kingdom. And, and this is what Father has given to you and to me as his sons and daughters in the earth. It's Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's um, Luke 12. I forget the exact reference. Amen. Then Luke 17, the Pharisees say, Jesus, you talk about this kingdom. When are you going to, you know, when's the inauguration? When are you going to cut the ribbon? When, when is it finally going to, you know, become a reality? And Jesus said, the kingdom doesn't come with observation. But that this kingdom that Father has given to us, where did he say it is? He said it's within you. It's within you. Now, 1 Corinthians 2, eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but he's revealing them to us. He goes on to say, by his spirit. Now, I'm not trying to give you next week's sermon this week, but I feel like you just, I'm, I'm trying to give you some idea of what this is all about. So to live according to the Spirit, we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. But this means living according to the Spirit is so much more than just having an edge up on sin. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, this is a way for us to um, be good. No, no, please. It's so much more than that. Because so much more is in your spirit. The kingdom of God is in you. Amen. The rule of God, the reign of God, the realm of God, the resources. In you. See, this, amen. This is what we were born again, recreated in Christ to live according to. We're here to live according to not an outward standard of commandments chiseled in stone. No, my brother, sister. We're here to live according to the wealth, even the glory of his kingdom that's inside of us. Not just, see, we've been living according to our paycheck. We've been living according to our best efforts. We've been living according to our willpower. We've been living according to, you know, 
our ability to get by, our ingenuity, our this and our that. No, no, see, again, we're going to live according to what's been written upon our born-again spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, enough of that for now. Father, thank you tonight for this time together. Thank you for what you're saying to us. Lord, these, these, are, these are big. This is big, Father. This is big stuff here. And, and Lord, I, I'm, I'm not wanting anyone to feel overwhelmed or, or lost in all of this. But yet, Father, you're stretching us. You're stretching us. And, and, and we have an enemy who's trying to keep us as born-again, spirit-filled believers living a life according to the flesh because we can't seem to change our channel and, and we've got our minds set on this world and the things of this flesh. And yet, Father, you're calling us to a higher way and a better way. Thank you, Lord, for what you're teaching us, what you're revealing to us. Help us, Father, apply it to our lives in practical ways this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, praise God. Good things coming. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Have a blessed week. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you Tuesday, some of you.